0: You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Welcome to the CEO Podcast with Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone. This month, Anthony and Senior Director of Communications, Lex Nepomuceno sit down and talk about how we can measure if we are creating the preeminent hospitality climate in the world. You can find a link to the April CEO podcast in the podcast notes. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at podcast at wahhospitality.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Adesso. And now, here's Anthony.
1: Welcome to the June CEO podcast, uh, where we update you on all the value you're getting out of the association from month to month and the latest activities in the industry. With that, uh, we also usually talk about one of the key topics facing us in the association and a very interesting one today, maybe a little lighter, or depending on your point of view, something else, but the board had a big conversation on how do we define What our business climate looks like, given that our vision is to create the best business climate in the world right here in Washington. No, your computer didn't just glitch. That is our goal, is to right here in Washington State, create the best business climate for your business. Not going to be easy, and how would we know if we are getting there? What would would it look like? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and then hopefully some of you can send us your ideas on the dialogue that Lex and I will have. But before we do, let's go around the horn and talk about the latest activities in our four pillars. On our best day, hopefully we deliver you four items of great value that we give you an ROI through great programs um, that really help your business continue and succeed and operate easier. Hopefully, we're your primary source of information, that's Lex's role, is making sure that you have all the information you need to run your operations. That uh, we are constantly protecting and enhancing the business climate through our government affairs program, and that we are illuminating the industry career paths to success. Let's start with BizDev today. And I know a lot of you in the past have considered us the Workers' Comp Association, and and for a while, our credit card program was delivering such great value and really fantastic rates that um, that started actually edging into your conversation, but I'll tell you what, our biz insurance program, Lex, is really taking root. We have so many leads now, we've actually had to add another staffer. So Riley Flock has been added as the latest member of the insurance team and has gotten his license, is going to be out there helping members just deal with the demand. Thank you to you who said we really need an insurance product out there. That actually came to us from a couple of our board members and then loudly supported from the industry when we surveyed on it. And I feel like that is really making progress to being one of the strongest ways we deliver ROI. Lex, over on on your information side, anything new last month or coming up this month?
2: Well, we're very excited. We just uh, completed or very close to completing production on our 2023 annual print buyers guide. And what this is, is... um, a listing of all of our uh, vendor members that can serve your, your hospitality business in, in numerous ways, services, products, mm. and so forth. We do this once a year. Uh, a lot of our members find great value in it because if they need somebody to fix the oven hood or uh, if they need somebody to help, re- help recruit for a general manager position, uh, this is uh, one of the resources that they go to to look for that information. And that's going to be coming out in June, uh, early June. So uh, watch that. Watch out for that in your mailbox. And then finally, uh, we've been working a while uh, on the Lodging Excellence Handbook with the Department of Labor and Industries. Uh, we're in the final stages of approval for that. And we're really excited about hopefully launching that
1: sometime in June. Well, that's going to be great, Lex. The Buyer's Guide is an interesting element because it's like one of our last print pieces. Everything else is online and and yet people still want that tangible hard copy of a buyer's guide to be able to flip through and sort through in an easy way. So I know people look forward to getting that. Have you come up with a name yet? I know that on the um, handbook for excellent operations, on the restaurant side, it's the handbook for re- excellent restaurant operations. So Hero, for lodging excellence, you're going to go with Lex? <laughs> Have you got no, a name?
2: It's the lodging excellence handbook. So there's some consistencies. With Lexo? The
1: Lex, ha, you're gonna have to come up with something cool. You always do. That's why you guys are the creative types and I stay off in my world. (laughs) So uh, Lex isn't bad though. Lodging excellence, it can be be your legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. I know that it's been several years in the making. Uh, I know the Hero Manual took four or five years to build and for the restaurant side. And I know your team has been working on this. More to come on that one. That'll be great. On the government affairs side, the governor did sign the liquor to go, making that permanent. And so we're excited about that. And we've more tourism money, even though it wasn't the dollar number. So a couple of good things from the post-legislative stuff. The legislature did hold a special session and voted on a fix for the Blake decision, which will make drug possession a misdemeanor. And I know this is odd for us to talk about this as a success, but the impact of the safety of our communities and other streets and drug use and and violence and police really needed this tool. And because of some court cases and some other stuff, had they not acted on this, believe it or not, things would have gotten worse. So odd one for us to talk about, but uh, this job, this bill uh, that they needed to come back in a special session for will increase emphasis on uh, treatment and other services other than jail time but give us that much needed misdemeanor label for for drug use. And so that'll be good. Lex, what about EF? Anything happened in EF last month?
2: Well, it was a very exciting time for the Education Foundation. Uh, uh, our annual, our, our ProStart teams had a wonderful time at Nationals with Bonnie Lake High School uh, placing 17th in the management competition and Newport High School uh, taking third place overall. Uh, In the uh, culinary competition nationwide, so congratulations to both schools. Washington was very well represented at nationals this year.
1: Third is our highest ever, I believe. So way to go, Newport. I'll tell you what, I I would almost bet your car, Lex, that uh, two of those students will open their own restaurants on that Newport team, be chefs in our industry. I mean, I met those kids; they're fire. Uh, that they have, and passion around cooking and creation. Great job from Bonnie Lake and for uh, Newport um, Nationals. And maybe one day we'll take first if we keep building the program and keep supporting those teachers and keep getting folks engaged and mentoring those teams. So speaking of wanting to get to first place, when we come back, we're going to talk about our vision and how we can create the best place in the world the preeminent hospitality climate for restaurants and hotels. Looking forward to it.
0: With the Employee Retention Credit Program, you can receive cash from taxes you've already paid, up to $26,000 per employee. The ERC rewards impacted businesses that kept W 2 employees on their payroll in 2020 and 2021. The Washington Hospitality Association is partnering with Odesso Capital and committed to helping small businesses. For more information, visit wahospitality.org.
1: Let's talk about uh, our vision here at the association. And so we exist to try to create the best hospitality climate, the preeminent hospitality climate in the world. World, world. <laughs> We're going to do that by collecting wins in the areas of government affairs information uh, roi on programs and, and 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 workforce success they just keep adding up and adding up and adding up until eventually we get there you know when you talk about a vision statement a lot of you're gonna listen to that and said can't you pick something more realistic <laughs> can't you pick something that really fits i mean you're talking about first and we may not be in the top half we may be somewhere else. And a lot of you certainly talk about what a tough state this is to do business in. It is. There's no doubt about that. But vision statements are supposed to be bold. Lex, I don't know if you have a have a, have a favorite, but I look at Amazon's vision statement when they created it. I think it was in the early 90s, maybe. I think it was the early 90s when Amazon was get going. And in the early 90s, they wanted to take every book ever printed in any language available to everyone on the planet in less than 60 seconds can you imagine saying that in 1990 something whenever they started i'll call it 1992 i'm really making the date up but talk about bold and impossible and the technology and stuff but they really had a passion to make sure that reading and the access to reading and the access of books was available to everyone and now granted they created a system that ended up having a lot of other uses but that was their vision statement. And in 1950, Boeing right here in Washington created the one to bring the entire world into the jet age in 1950. That was when the whole concepts of jets was expensive and local, and certainly was gonna be available to everyone in the world. So incredibly bold. Lex, do you have a favorite vision statement from other things or other companies you've ever seen?
2: Well, Boeing was always a good. As somebody who's growing up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Jet City, you know, starting Jet City Pizza and all that. Boeing, the Boeing goal was always one that resonated with me uh, more so than the newer technology ones because with the Boeing one, you see that actually happened; it, it uh, materialized. You can't say that necessarily yet with a lot of the newer ones, with the newer tech companies because they're, they're still further out there. But the Boeing one is probably my favorite as well.
1: Yeah, Lex, I think it's kind of funny. Amazon and Boeing are both Northwest companies that created visions so bold. I think most people probably scoffed as dreamers or unrealistic, soft or something. And yet both those visions came true. I mean, I think you ask other people, I think many people will say Kennedy's put a man on the moon and bring him back to earth safely, right? That, that second half was pretty big. <laughs> they had the technology to put a man on the moon. They had no way to bring a man back. And when they said it, they were like, that's insane. How can you do that when we have no budget, no money, no technology? And yet those visions are the way you start the path to get where you need to go.
2: And I think for those listening, uh, you may have mentioned it early on, uh, a vision, our vision is basically a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And so because I know a lot of folks that are in management and do a lot of reading, that's that's what they know that by. And a couple other good examples of these BHAGs. Uh, a more recent one I just uh, looked up here uh, SpaceX goal uh, to enable human exploration and settlement of Mars. Well, you could see the incremental steps that that company is taking to make that happen. I mean, it's hard to find an Elon Musk interview where he doesn't somehow reference uh, Mars somehow. That's clearly a passion of his and his company. And then Google. Uh, wants to organize the world's information and make it universally universally accessible and useful. Speaking of a BHAG that has materialized, I would I would argue that Google's BHAG has happened, and uh, Google was a company from the uh, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and uh, this was uh, materialized in uh, 20 less than 20 years because they were already at that level, well before the 2020s. So,
1: well, and I and I think that's why. When we say we're going to make Washington the best place in the world to, to, to own and run a restaurant or hotel. Yeah, I, I know you're, you're initially probably spit out whatever you're drinking and said, good luck with that. But this is what we want to do. This is what we should be doing. This is what we should be striving for. So the question becomes, and this is why I'm raising it, is at this last month's board meeting, we have been working with several years with WSU to gather all the data on our industry and organize it so we can begin to build benchmarks and know how we're progressing. So if we have the data, how would we know that Washington is the best place to own or run in a hotel or a restaurant? And, and I think it's a really interesting question uh, because part of you can say, well, by how many rooms you have or by how many buildings you have. And I think that's interesting, but at some point, if you're so great, the free market will open so many of those (laughs) that it won't be so great anymore, or you'll run out of employees or you'll run out of other stuff. And is it really the best climate at that point? And each one of these kind of has a challenge to it. So, Lex, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to much of that board conversation. I know you were bouncing around between different rooms. Did you? Do you have any thoughts on how would we know if we've created the best climate or where we're starting from, if we're making progress towards creating the best climate in, in the planet?
2: Well, I think to, to create a definition for that, one has to create a definition for what the hospitality ecosystem is, because it's not just the business it's not just the hotel or the restaurant it's also the customers it's also the workforce it's also the regulatory environment it's also the supply chain it's also your proximity to proximity to potential tourism and so everything here makes up what would define the the preeminent hospitality environment in the world because you could have all the rooms in the world but if the customers aren't happy if you're not making a profit if the occupancy is 50%, well, that's not very hospitable. That's not very uh, it's not very good. Just the same thing as restaurants. How many, you know, as, 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 a, uh, as a former business owner, if you asked me 20 years ago, I'd say, oh, the place with the lowest taxes. But then, you know, how come Missouri isn't the preeminent hospitality environment in the world? How come Arkansas isn't? Businesses go out of business in Florida just as much as they go out of business in Washington State. Uh, you can't just say taxes or regulations. Yeah. So you have to look at all of those factors. With uh, hospitality, it's about the experience, right? But that's for the customer side, as well as the entrepreneur's side, as well as the worker's side. Uh, What is making the ideal, you're paying $85 for a filet mignon in downtown Seattle. Is it a win, win, win? Is it a win for the customer to pay $85 for that filet? Is it a win for the the restaurant to charge 85 for the And is it a win for that server to serve that? Well, if you can answer yes to yes. all those three on
1: things. An fillet.
2: On an $85 filet. On an $85 filet. Well, you know, we, Seattle can do that because it has Amazon, it has Microsoft nearby, it's got Google, it's got all these big meta, all these big companies that can support that $85 filet and moreover support the workers who would be able to serve that $85 filet. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very complex.
1: And we're probably going to have to create a metrics of issues, right? That collectively equal a score or a number because our employees are absolutely a part of this fixture. The public will not let us say we have a great hospitality climate if we can pay people 50 cents an hour and and other things that, you know, that the public wouldn't allow us to do that. They'd say this is not a great climate. So, Part of this metric we're creating has got to include the employee side. How many people are employing, how those, those people's quality of life, their opportunity for growth. Do they grow? We're spending a lot of time on the Education Foundation talking about how we get you from that counter job, whether that's the, the front desk or coffee shop in a hotel or the front desk or the counter at a quick service restaurant, to a job that is actually meant to help you buy a house on. And move forward and and that's one of the strengths of our industry is is that growth and so i don't know if we'll be able to get down to one number that says this reflects the best climate in the world it's probably going to be a mix of a couple of employment issues and a couple of actual business issues
2: yeah and i mean you could take models like the nasdaq or the russell 5000 or something like that and and, and, you know, it's, it's made up of a number of different types of companies and all those things, just like this could be made up of a number of different uh, metrics. You know, that, that it could be, again, supply chain is one of those other things. People say, oh, well, it's got to be Hawaii because they've got, well, it's also really expensive for Hawaii, Hawaii to bring in uh, all, the, uh, all the supplies and goods and services and, 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 and not to mention people. Uh, into that to be able to provide that hospitality. Well, you might have to pay here, you might pay $85 for the filet, but in Hawaii, you might have to pay $120 for filet. And then that puts people over the top. I'm not going to pay $120 for a filet. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the other thing too. So the supply chain, the fact that Washington state is in close proximity to some amazing farms and you can do farm to table here, just like you can do regular supply chain with food services and, and, uh, and, and some of those things. It's uh, uh, we, you gotta have a good balance of both.
1: Among all our challenges and we got them. I'm not trying to blow sunshine in anyone's, uh, ear, but we also have some great utility costs. If you look at our average utility costs on, on a menu side or a, as part of a per room basis, our energy costs, our water costs our other things are are more affordable to other states. And again, we can't make this metric so complicated that no one understands it. But somewhere there's four or six numbers that add up all these things collectively to say we've won the game. You know, I, I think about, I'm a big baseball fan. And you think about who's the, probably every baseball player wants to be on the best baseball team of all time for some period of their career, right? They really want to be on the they want to be part of a team that's the best of all time. How would you judge that? To some degree, you could say, Well, you have the best players. I would argue that that early 90s Yankees lineup was the best baseball lineup of all time. Didn't win a World Series. Right? Even though they paid the highest payroll and had the best lineup. When you could say, well, then it's the number of wins. Clearly, whoever had the most wins in a given season would be the best team, but the our own Mariners set the record for 116 wins in a season, but they lost in the second round of the playoffs and no one considers them the greatest team of all time, even though they have the most wins. Literally no national conversation includes, I believe it was the 2002 one, Mariners. What was
2: 2001, it? 2001, 2002, I think. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, uh, Mariners of 116 wins. Um, so clearly you got to have the most wins and win a world series. It's probably a couple of metrics, right? If we're learning our lessons from other things about how to judge the greatest and how do we judge if we're improving against that? It's interesting. Right now, I think we're leaning towards the concept of the improvement in the number of units. But there's a great debate. Should should it be number of units or should it be failure rate? And, and, And we're having that conversation. Uh, We're talking about the revenue per unit has grown above inflation, because if your revenue is growing above inflation and your costs, how can that how can you say that you're you're doing badly? There's we're talking about employee hours, really interesting conversation on employee hours, because with employees demanding more flexibility Mm -hmm. and shorter shifts and I only want to work for you two days, take me or, or leave me. I don't want to work for you for five to six days anymore. Um, that means we have more employees, but maybe the same amount of hours. Or if you look across a lot of Seattle, my friends are commenting, where do you get a drink anymore at 10 o'clock at night in Seattle? You can't like you used to. And then average wages, right? If our revenue is way up and our employee wages are way down, there's no way the public is in Washington state is going to get us allow us to get away with that. Um, and so how does that all balance together? It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. When you hear me talk about those things on the restaurant side, Lex, put on your old pizza operator. And call call BS on me. What, what's going to tick you off about this very conversation or what are we not including?
2: Well, I think, you know, trying to condense it to something really simple, I think is a good thing to do. And and the baseball example, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, what what defines, one of the things that potentially defines a, a really great hitter for a really great year is something called the triple crown. You're number one in batting average, the number one in RBIs, number one in home runs. Well, the triple crown, I believe, in hospitality, and this could be argued, is the owner, the customer, and the worker. That's the holy trinity, right?
1: <laughs> That's an interesting way to go about it.
2: <laughs> and 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 if, if the metrics supporting all of those things are superior, because again, it's really easy to forget about one of the one of the three when you're especially when you're the operator. When you're the worker it's easy to forget of one of the three you know you're serving the customer and forget about the owner they they you know they you know they deserve to lose money on this right and and if you're the customer it's easy to just realize the importance of the person right in front of you which might be the server and completely disregard the owner and so but in order to really be the best you have to understand and internalize all three you need to empathize with all three elements as the owner as the, re- as the customer and as the worker, you know, uh, and, and, I, when, and when I think about it, you know, going to great places like, you know, El Gaucho or some of these amazing restaurants, the Met and uh, great hotels, Hyatt's and Hilton's all over the Seattle area. Those are the folks that seem like they get it. There seems to be alignment between the customer, the workers and the owners. There seems to be, you know, when you have an issue like, oh, I lost my watch. Can somebody help me find it? You know, you don't get those blank looks on their faces. They know exactly what to do because there's alignment, and I think that you know, aligning the Holy Trinity—you know, there, uh, worker, owner, customer—could be the key.
1: I, you know, that's a very interesting approach. I think the board ought to take take it up. As you're listening to this, if you have an idea, please email us at podcast at dot org. WSU uh, data folks provided a lot of information and stuff to the board here last week, and if you're listening to this later in the month, I would say in mid-May, and then we're going to be coming back in November and saying, okay, we took all that feedback, WSU took all that feedback, they're coming back with something tangible, what does it look like? So now, the next four, five, six weeks is a great time for you to say, you ought to consider this, so please email us at podcast org if you have an idea, on the hotel side, Lex, from an owner's perspective, they would argue that the metrics are already set. and Revpar is the is the Holy Grail, and then those are combined made up by ADR and, and occupancy rate. And then of course, some but they don't necessarily have anything to find on the on the employee side, which we'll be attempting to do. I, I think this is just the start of a conversation. and we wanted to engage you, the members in the industry, and other folks listening to the podcast, and get your feedback. Now would be the time. We're going to create something historic, which is true metric for the success of an industry. You know, it's gonna have some regions because let's be honest, if what's going on in Seattle may be a heck of a lot different than what's going on in I always say OMAC, I'll pick something else. I'll pick roselia Right? So it could be completely different. Yet we're talking about the health of the entire state. So there might be regions who are healthy, but we're expecting the entire state to be healthy. And and what would that look like? If Seattle's got a huge Congestion of millionaires, right? Their their cost per their cost that they're willing to spend would be a lot different than if your average income in a in a more rural community is sixty thousand and the average home is is eighty five thousand versus the average home being uh, eight hundred thousand, right? So those all create these different dynamics that will go into this mix of something truly historic. But once we have it, we'll be able to say, are we getting better or are we getting worse? How, how does that make you feel? Like when you hear this conversation, you're like, <laughs> whatever, dude, or holy well, cow, I mean, what an I'm, exciting time. I'm excited
2: time. because uh, what we've well, we found, a lot of the things that we start here in Washington State carries over the rest of the country. You know, it's your role in the National Restaurant Association Board and and the stuff that we've done with uh, CSRA and AHLA. We're recognized as one of the top associations, uh, t- usually top five in the whole country. So I know that if we are able to figure out here, this is going to echo throughout the entire industry throughout the united states
1: well and where i'm excited is to get us away from the anecdote um i think good bad and different um when the minimum wage passed in in 1998 which is the first minimum wage that made us the most expensive one in the country right that believe it or not 650 at some point was the highest minimum wage in the country when we took that jump and we all predicted many of us predicted this could be the end of the number of restaurants and how many restaurants were going to close, there were 8,300 restaurants in 1997. By 2003, there were just around 11,000. The survival rate increased, it didn't decrease. Now, I don't think that's directly connected to the minimum wage personally. But I certainly can't say that initial jump in minimum wage wiped out the industry there's just no evidence to support it right and i think if we're going to be respected by the public that when we say things pay attention to us it matters and we're telling the truth we really got to have something solid we can look at that's more than an anecdote more than an emotional opinion in a minute but reflective of what what actually is occurring in their communities and when we do that then the community will listen to us when we do have real legitimate scares and say We better pay attention. And and putting us in that position, I I really am excited about. All right, everyone, I hope you have a great June. It's the start of our tourist season. I hope the combination of people getting out to the mountain lakes and out to wine country and coming in on cruise ships in Seattle really have us see a great summer. I know there's a lot of work to do and there's a lot of challenges in front of us. But let's be positive. If we're not hospitality and hopeful, then what the hell? (laughs) What are we doing? It's an honor to serve you. Have a great June. See you next month.
0: Thanks again to our sponsor, Odessa. We'll be back with another episode next month. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries